This week on the show, Dan from On One Software. I'm photographer Brian Fisher, and and we don't have Roxanne because she's modeling her way across Africa. This is Twip Glam. Hey everybody, welcome back to Twip Glam. This is one of our first shortened episodes. We're not reviewing a portfolio. We're going after a software company who's doing some fun stuff for our industry. On One Software. Um, before we jump into this interview, I want to make sure uh, people know that this isn't an advertisement. I uh, have been looking for some digital asset management software. I've been looking at a lot of it. And of course, most people jump to that big company with the A in the front. And I just thought I needed to go outside of that and look for some people doing, uh, honestly, some more creative work and something that wasn't carrying a lot of baggage behind it. And what I found and what is my current uh, top of the heap is On One Photo Raw, recently released. It is analogous to the big name, except it has a much stronger creative streak behind it. So I bring you Dan from On One. Hey, Dan. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here today. I am thrilled to have you guys. I absolutely have enjoyed your software. It's come along nicely. Um, I wanted to start with getting a little history behind how On One came into being and what kind of shot you into challenging, honestly, the, the big boys. Sure, sure. Well, we're actually about 11 or 12 years old now as a company. We're based in Portland, Oregon. Almost everybody who started the company all came from a company called Extensus, and they built a portfolio digital asset management tool and, and uh, some font management stuff. And we also built some really cool Photoshop plugins way back when, things like Mask Pro and Photo Frame and Genuine Fractals. I've used and, it, half of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we've all probably used some of those. And uh, we decided uh, this is kind of when digital photography was just starting to become popular. You could start to get DSLRs for, you know, that $1,000 price range. And we decided, you know, we really want to take these tools that used to be made more for graphic designers for Photoshop and kind of reinvigorate them, think about them from a photographer's perspective. And that's why we started on one. And those were kind of our original products. And back then it was all really Photoshop plugins. And then Lightroom came along and we continued to make our products work along with Lightroom. And at some point, the way the raw workflow developed, it, it became very hard to do a good job for people inside of a non-destructive workflow unless you were the whole non-destructive workflow. So that was one of the reasons that we created Photo Raw. It wasn't because we wanted to go out and become a competitor to Lightroom. It's in order to give our customers the kind of flexibility and re-editability that they're asking for. The only way we could do that was to become a raw processor at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I came in with Aperture, um, mm -hmm. partially, honestly, because Lightroom simply didn't exist. And I rode the Aperture bandwagon a long time because it was so elegantly non-destructible, uh, non-destructive and destructible. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and an amazing piece of software that really matured nicely in its last revision um, mm -hmm. until, uh, as I understand it, simply the talented people behind it were needed elsewhere. And um, that's that's the that's really the curse of a great big company with a small development team. Uh, and one of the reasons why I honestly went with you guys, a smaller company that I I I know you're never going to abandon the the mother load. You know, mm -hmm. it's yeah. it's a very different focus for the company. Um, 
And admittedly, I still I still keep a machine here that runs a couple of versions old operating system, and I, I use Aperture with great success. But I'm starting to migrate, and um, I I just can't let go of that raw process workflow. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's right. I and yeah. I think everything will eventually go there, but uh, some surprisingly powerful companies have stumbled along the way trying to do it. Yeah. And you know, it can be. It's, I mean, for for us, it's it's what we do. It's our it's our core. So you look at a lot of other companies, and it's a product that they offer within a large other subset of things. Where this is it. You know, we're photographers building tools for photographers. We're not focusing on addressing a much larger audience yeah. than that. This is what we do. So it's our passion. I uh, I took a strong look, and and we'll we may bring them on the show. I took. A, uh, a strong look at Capture One, which is mm-hmm. uh, not, not a, again, not really a competitor because you guys have all carved out different niches and uh, have different strengths. But um, On One wa- was compatible with a larger range of cameras. And I'm looking at going medium format, and there were cameras that they, they have not chosen to support yet. And probably because it competes with their camera division. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure. I can't blame them for that, but I also can't support you if you're not going to support my camera. Yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's funny. You kind of we've we've talked a little bit about Aperture, we've talked about Capture One, and of course Lightroom. Uh, I'll put a plug in actually for uh, Mac Laskowski. Uh, if you know him, he's a, a, a great photographer and an educator, and he wrote a blog post a couple of weeks ago that I love because he really made uh, software analogous to cameras and lenses. You know, a lot of people get religious, whether they're a Canon shooter or a Nikon shooter. At the end of the day, it's just a box with a hole in it that you're exposing through. Software is the same way. It's just another tool in your bag. And whether you pick software A or software B, most of them are going to accomplish the same job. It's just you pick one because it does something a little bit different or a little bit better for you. Well, and a little bit uh, like cameras, you like a lens investment. It does tend to, you know, once you've got a library that's very happy in one software, you're like, ah, I'm going to keep my investment in the education. And, and uh, going back to Aperture for a minute, I, I was recently talking to uh, the, the big boss, Frederick Van Johnson, and, and he's like, I can't believe you're still using that. I said, well, <laughs> I, I'm really fast with it. He goes, that was famously slow. Like, not for me. I can process mm-hmm. like a whirlwind in there. So it's an investment for me to change. So I looked long and hard and I let other things mature. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was time for me to change, honestly, all three of the other majors were not ready. And uh, you guys came across the plate. Honestly, Lightroom is really there now. It would, it would do my job. But there are things, especially with regard to the presets, where you guys are definitely well in advance and i'm hoping you'll demonstrate a few things Mm -hmm. to us today yeah no we definitely take a look at that stuff so for those of you who aren't familiar with photo raw it combines a fast photo organizer a raw processor a layered photo editor and an effects app all in one it kind of takes the best of lightroom and the best of photoshop and puts them together into one single integrated app you start off here in the browse module, and this is where you actually navigate to find your photos. One of the cool things about RAW is you don't actually have to catalog your photos before you can look at them. You can just simply browse to them. So if you've got your photos on an external drive, you just point to it here in the local drive section. You plug in an external drive or a network share or a SAN, they'll show up here as well. If you use a cloud storage service like Google Drive or Dropbox, you can navigate those just as easily as well. 
if there's a place where you keep all your photos all the time, you can make what we call an index folder, where we keep track of all the photos in it in the background. So if a change a name or you change the settings on a photo, they get picked up automatically. It also gives you all the metadata and it makes them a lot faster to search and browse. So I've got all my photos organized here. I'll go into my people folder and let's just grab a shoot to look at here. So here we go. These are all Canon CR2 files. These are all from a 5D Mark II or Mark III, if I recall. And you can see how I can zip through those files very quickly. And if I want to go in and take a closer look at one, I just simply double click on one to get a full screen view. And I can even bring up a film strip view where I can see all the other photos in the neighborhood, which makes it easy to go through and compare them. I could even zoom in to one to one and then toggle between photos to compare which one is the sharpest. Just I really like appreciate, uh, I, I was going through my first shoot with your software and I was like, boy, they really need a better way for me to select down the pictures. Yeah, I use star ratings and automatically mm -hmm. sort. And I, I was all through, about halfway through writing you guys a letter. Ooh, you really need this menu added here before I, my eyes drifted up and there's a filter menu. <laughs> oh, it's yep. here. It's waiting for yeah. me. Now, in terms of a lot of the culling, that process of actually getting your photos in and starting, it's it's similar to a lot of other applications. You've got the same sort of star ratings at the top. You've also got what we call a favorite. You can think of it like a thumbs up or a, or a flag, same kind of a concept. So you can either have one that you like, one that you don't like, or one that you haven't rated yet. And we even use the same keyboard shortcuts that a lot of other apps use. So, for example, what I'll do is I'll go into that film strip view where I have my photos at the bottom and a large version here. And I'll just put my right hand on the arrow keys and my left hand up on the uh, keyboard, either using the numbers, if I like to use stars, or the P and the X key, if I want to pick between a pick and a reject. And I can just simply hit those keys. So that one's a pick, that one's a pick, and that one I'm just going to leave normal. I don't really like that one. I'll hit an X. And then if I want, I can filter those results down in that filters pane right here. So I can just turn that on and say, I only want to find my picks and it'll filter down to just the picks. Or if I want to find just my rejects, I can find just my rejects. Yeah. I, I'm always amazed when I talk to photographers in my classes that they have not discovered and, and have not honestly been taught culling. And we probably will do a short episode just talking about the process of culling, how it can be a very powerful uh, tool. I know a lot of people, they're, they're literally like, oh, I think it was that one, number 126 was good, and number 8,000 oh. was good. And I'm, I'm like, you're using a piece of paper to figure out there's tools for this. <laughs> yep, lots of tools. And, you know, and one of the things that I learned, I learned this from, you know, you and I both have a long history in uh, film photography. What I would do is, I, you know, you'd sit down at the light table, and it's kind of the same process. But what I do is, rather than picking the ones I don't like, all I do is I pick the ones I like, and I throw everything else away. So most people are going to think I'm crazy for saying that, but you know, out of a whole shoot, if you got five or six ones you really like, that was a pretty good day for me. My my saying with uh, dealing with models, I'm like, we are here to take one picture, yep. the good one. The rest of them, we're not gonna invest any emotion in, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> it's just that yep. one good picture. Exactly, exactly. Now on any given photo that you have selected, there's all sorts of interest, interesting metadata over here on the right. You can see camera information and you can add metadata like descriptions and keywords. And if you use IPTC metadata, you could fill out all that metadata if you're going to be sharing it or using it for stock, things like that. And then I think we talked about all the goodies on the right other than albums. Uh, albums are, uh, think of it like a collection in Lightroom. It's a way to create a visual list of files that can live across different places. So, for example, if I go to 
this album, these photos all live in lots of different locations, and it lets me find them all in one spot. And these are actually what are called a smart album. They're actually done based on a search. So it goes out and finds everything whose keyword is humanity in this case. You might also notice the little iPhone or the little phone icon next to these. I've also published these automatically to my PhotoVIA app. So on my iPhone, I've got uh, my portfolio with me all the time. And I can go through, view those photos that are being pushed from PhotoRaw to my phone. I can do keywords and rating and sharing from there. And all that information is shared back to my desktop computer. So, so think photo stream, but intelligent. Yeah, yeah. You can really pick just what you want. And, you know, I use it for my portfolio. I think it's a great way to carry your portfolio around. But I've also used it a few times where I'll come back from a shoot and I'll just put everything into PhotoVIA. I haven't done my culling yet. And I can actually do the culling for my iPad. So I'll sit down on a couch. Oh. My wife's watching Grey's Anatomy. And rather than being stuck uh, on my computer upstairs, I can just sit there with her and I can do my culling on the iPad. All the ratings and tags and labels that I do on my iPad trickle back to the desktop so I can I can do it remotely as well. That's, so that's pretty that's kind slick. Of fun. Um, yeah. I, 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 and I've told this story before. I will tell it again. But um, my biggest photography payday uh, for a single image came because of metadata. Hmm. I had somebody who notified me. They're like, oh, that is so cool. You got the picture in that ca big, big name calendar. And I went, excuse me? <laughs> and... <laughs> I, uh, sure enough, somebody, they sent me a quick picture and here's one of my beach pictures in a calendar that has got big circulation. And I called them up. I said, yeah, you know, I, I just think maybe you probably should have paid for that. And they're like, <laughs> we did. We, we paid the photographer. And I'm like, really? Who's that? And it turned out somebody had stolen my picture. Oh my gosh. And then sold it as their own, but they had not done anything with the metadata and i had mm -hmm. not registered that picture because i wasn't thinking it was something i was going to work with and yeah. so you know if you haven't registered you might get them to stop using it but you're not going to get any money mm -hmm. and in this case the company that their their head nerd he went straight to the metadata there was my name he said what's a fair price i said oh i think it's probably you know i think it's probably about a thousand dollars and I think you probably should use me for at least uh, one more shoot. And mm -hmm. it ended up being four or five shoots and a very good relationship because somebody stole the picture. <laughs> That's great. That's great. My, uh, uh, my wife, she's a photographer as well. Her entire website got stolen. And the only way we knew is the person who stole it forgot to take out her Google Analytics tracking. Oh, so nice. we're looking at her analytics like, where are all these <laughs> clicks coming from? And, we went and looked, and you know someone had stolen her entire website wholesale and just changed the name on it. So, Ugh. yeah, there's a lot of that out there. All right, so we've kind of looked at browse. Yes. You've seen how you can go through, you can fast call, find your photos, tag and rate, and then of course if we put them in these index folders up here, it makes them really fast to to find them. One of the other cool things you can do is you can actually view your presets right here in Browse. So I'm on the Browse tab right now, but if I click on the Presets tab, oops, I guess I need to pick a photo first here. I can see all the categories of presets. We ship with a bunch, and of course you can create your own. And then I can come through here and, oh, let's go to maybe the hipster category. And now I can actually see my photo with those different presets applied. I'll just come down, I'll grab one just for fun. Maybe we'll use this black and white soft one here. I'll click on that and it'll add it to that photo in a second here the thumbnail will update and i could add that to one or many photos i could grab an entire series of photos 
and I could apply that same setting to it here just by hitting the sync button and it'll apply those presets just I, like that. I really appreciate that you guys live view all of the available presets. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really handy. I've never been a big preset person, but what I've already looked at doing is generating my own presets and using it with students. And it's a it's a pretty valuable tool in your case because you very uh, a lot of a lot of software it doesn't hide what the person has done to create the preset but you got to go looking where I really appreciate that really you're just auto filling essentially stuff that's right in front of you and you can really tweak it that's oh yeah, yeah. it's well done yeah and one of the cool things about the presets is when you make a preset you can choose which parts of the of the edits you've done get saved into a preset so you could include just the part from develop or effects or both combined and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second so that makes a little bit more sense uh and what that means i will show you one cool thing that a lot of people never find and that's this little button right here called the quick view browser you click on that it actually gives you a full screen preview of the presets on your photo makes it much easier to go shopping to find the look that you're looking for instead you know maybe you want to switch it over to this one instead there we go, just like that. And it'll apply to all of those selected photos. All right, let me just reset those real fast. And we'll talk a little bit about the other modules where you actually go and do your work. So the first one is develop. Let's scroll down. Maybe I'll grab a little different photo for us to work on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to find ones that I've marked just as my favorites here. There we go. I'm going to use this one. And we're going to take this into develop. Develop is the place where you do all of your basic brightness, contrast, tone adjustments, things like that. I'm going to close my preset door so we have a little bit more room. So you see in the tone and color pane, that's where you handle brightness, contrast, exposure, uh, removing a color cast, things like that. The basics of raw processing would be performed in here. Then when I click on the show more button, there's a bunch of other things that I can add. I could convert it to black and white or do local color adjustments or do skin retouching. So that's actually a, a really handy one to use. Maybe I'll grab the skin retouching filter and all I do is click on the skin to get the color of the skin out. And now I can adjust the amount of retouching for blemishes, smoothing of the skin, reducing shine and evening out the color across the skin, all based on a color range selection. You can even dial in that selection right here with this range slider. So there we go. I can get a base skin smoothing right here and I can do that on an entire folder of images. It's great for previewing for sales. If I wanted to uh, take an entire shoot, smooth out the skin a little bit before the client ever sees it without having to go through and manually do every single one of those one at a time. Yeah, that's one, a of super the, handy tool. one of the things, a lot of photographers look at presets and they're like, oh, that's the stuff of Instagram and iPhones. But uh, there is a huge power in those presets, especially when you're making your own for a sales tool where you got a, you know, you've got your client there. You have not gone through all of your stuff. You need to apply a fundamental look and, and apply almost a visual language to the set of images the client's looking at. And the presets are kind of amazing at going, well, how do you like this visual language? 
and I have had nothing but success with it so far. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's actually one of the big reasons we did it the way that we uh, we did it. You know, my my wife is a, a, a children's and family photographer, and she'll do these events where for every shoot that she does for that event, she'll pump you know twelve families through in a day through like a fall vintage fields look, and she needs to add uh, kind of a vintage matte look and this textured vignette around it and she wants to be able to save that in a preset and apply it to you know a thousand photos she shot for that day so they all have that signature look for the day to it and you just can't do that in lightroom you can't do things like glows or blurs or textures or borders you know those are all things that are beyond what lightroom or a lot of other raw tools do because they really focus on just the basics just the brightness contrast color correction sort of stuff that's where they see their job and that's the kind of stuff that develop does but you can go way further than that with effects and effects gives you 23 different stackable filters that you can put on top of your photo. You can mix and match and blend and put those together just the way you want. So it's super duper powerful. You can also use the local adjustments, which allows you to apply the most common adjustments in a local way. You can either paint them in or out, or you can use what we call the masking bug. It's a flexible gradient mask tool. And there's even automatic edge detection technology in there. I'll show you a little bit of that later here, but maybe for this photo, let's go in and I'm gonna do just a little bit of retouching on the eyes. So I'm just gonna zoom in a notch. I'll use that local adjustment tool and I'll grab something like the Magic Eye Fixer preset. Zoom this down a little bit. Now you're doing all this in the graphics card, right? Yep, this is 100% done in the GPU. So it is super fast. Yeah, I, I was yeah. looking at it like, that's God. And and I actually loaded it up on a couple of older machines to kind of see how far back I could go and still keep it happy. Mm -hmm. And in the Macintosh world, it really liked the 2012 architecture change where you uh, went to high-speed bus so that you could communicate to the graphics card better. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the lower-end Intel video cards uh, which can be a little bit challenging at times. They they uh, uh, they're not as fast as a as a quote unquote real video card. Uh, I, I, but we, I we work pretty hard to make usable. sure they're good though. I mean, it's if you're oh darn, I'm stuck on this this laptop. You're still gonna get your job done. It's just not gonna be as elegant as opposed to my my fresh out of the box iMac back here where it's just instant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm working on a 5K iMac. I've actually dropped my screen resolution down here a little bit so you guys can see all the controls a little bit better, but it's still actually working on a uh, 5K display. So, uh, And it's easy. You can always see your before and after, so there's kind of before and after. I was just adding a couple little local yeah. adjustments here, but now... I've done those, what we would normally think of as like corrections. I would have gone in and, you know, the one thing I probably didn't do is uh, color correct this a little bit. I can actually seamlessly bounce between effects and develop. It's all really one stack of adjustments. Let me just grab the dropper tool and maybe we'll, there we go. We'll just neutralize the background so we can remove that little bit of a warm color cast that was in there. And then back in effects, I haven't added any filters yet, but as I mentioned, there's like 23 different filters that you can add. I'm going to add one of my favorite ones called dynamic contrast. And this one allows you to really uh, amplify the detail in the photo. Think of it like sharpening, but without the artifacts that you get with sharpening. Oh, nice. And you can control uh, what areas it affects. There's a small and a medium and a large, and that's really the size of the detail in the photo. 
moving that small slider is going to attack the tiniest details in your photo. It's great so for crisping up the hair, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, hair for denim. Uh, anything that has denim in it just makes denim look amazing, cranking up that small. The medium is going to be the medium-sized things. You'll see it more on patterns. And then large is going to be for like the entire body. I'm just going to use maybe like the natural setting or, you know, why don't I go find a preset for that? There's presets or we call styles for each filter that you add. I'll just open up the drawer. I'll go to my filters tab and it automatically finds all of the different styles that are built in for that setting automatically. And I can preview it on my photo. So cool. I'll just go with the natural look here. And one of the really cool things is on each of those filters, there's a mask so I can paint them in or out or use the tools or I can click right here in this little gear and I can control how it blends in with the photo. I can change its blending mode. I can have it attack only certain color ranges or I can protect certain ranges. For portraits, there's a skin slider so I can automatically pull that off of the skin area. So I'm gonna turn it up really high so it's really obvious here. You know, that doesn't do a good job to the skin. A lot of the outfit looks great. I'll just use that skin protection slider to pull it off of the skin without having to brush it, just like that. That's Let's do a before and after. Great. There's before, after, just like that. And again, a great spot where those doing a preset of your own is going to be very helpful. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So you can just go up to the settings menu and say, save this as a preset. And when you save it as a preset, you can pick, do I want to save the work I did in develop or the work that I did in effects? And if I added other uh, gradient tools to it, I can save those into my presets as well. The other thing is if it's just for an individual filter, like for dynamic contrast, where I set my own settings, I can go in and, and create what we call a style for it as well. So I could create my own style, my own version of that particular filter that I can use over and over again as well. And, and so it's then, like a preset, but for a very, very small part of their job. To make sure people understand, just because you're applying a preset or a filter, once it's there, you can still go in and tweak it. I mean, oh, you're not you're not cooking it in. You're just going, you're applying that layer, and then you've got all those settings. You can just go in and go, well, this one really didn't need that much of this. Yep, exactly. Everything you do is all just instructions. It's all completely non-destructive. The photo on disk, this raw photo, is never touched. And to actually get my work out with these settings applied to it, I would use export. And it would actually create a new TIFF or a new PSD or whatever file format I want to create from it that you'd use for sharing. But your basic sharing and printing is all built in as well. So you can just do that right from here. And uh, also love that you are capable of generating sidecar files so that if I'm laptoping on the desktop, moving from computer to computer, if I carry those uh, with it, it all sticks. Exactly. Uh, a lot of programs, uh, including uh, Aperture and things like that, they were non-destructive, but also if you reached in and grabbed the raw, you were right back at zero. Yep, yep, yep. And if you changed the name of that file or you broke that symbolic link, you know, you'd lose that work. By creating those sidecar files, they just live next to the actual photo on disk. And then if you use any syncing service, uh, for like example, I use Dropbox. All my photos are in Dropbox and I can make a change on my laptop and go to my desktop and then about two seconds later, that same change will appear on my desktop. Keeps everything in sync. If you're working in a studio, there's multiple people working on your photos, it's really handy too because you can put your photos on a file server and then one person could be editing and then the next person when they go to those photos, they'll see those same adjustments, but yet 
it's all non-destructive. So you haven't bloated up your hard drive or made changes that you can't go back and change. So I, I it's see a really future, handy system. I see a future with two people <laughs> arguing over the slider. No, it goes over here. No, it goes over there. <laughs> well, pretty soon we'll have versions in there as well. So you could have your version and the other oh, person could have their version. So yeah, that way you can have multiple ones to, to work with. So, so that is kind of the core of it. Browse for browsing and managing your photos, develop for your basic adjustments, and then effects for doing all of your stylization. There's also the layers module, which allows you to create a layered PSD document. So you can actually take individual photos and merge them together. It's great for doing like head swaps or replacing skies or uh, just creating interesting composites. And then the resize module, which is really the new name for genuine fractals. That's where you would go in and prepare your photo for printing. So it has the patented genuine fractals algorithm. It'll let you blow a photo up to, to the size of a barn and maintain all the sharpness and detail. Yeah, and let, you can print directly from it. Let, let me, for, for people that haven't had to deal with this, um, if you imagine blowing up an image in the good old days if you had a black pixel and you had a white pixel next to one another and you tripled the resolution it would take and basically it would just average them together and you would end up with this nice blurry gray pixel in between the fractals algorithm looks at the whole pattern around the pixel and sort of intelligently creates the intermediary pixels and uh it, it first off it's alarming how well it works um, you know, like, well, I really don't need more resolution in my camera. I have magic. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it, it is something to be aware of because a lot of programs are still just creating a big blurry picture instead of a sharp picture. So that's a, that's a big deal. I want to make sure yeah. people it get It really is one. pretty unique and, you know, it's been around for many years, but there's still nothing that has surpassed it in terms of quality. So I use it for every, every photo that I print, I'll send it to resize. That's where I do my cropping and my sizing. And I also do my sharpening there as well, because there's a lot of intelligent sharpening based on the size and kind of paper that you're printing to. So it knows, oh, if I'm going to be printing it at 24 by 36 on an Epson, on matte paper, I know I need this much of this kind of sharpening. So it optimizes nice. that, makes it much faster to get great looking results out yeah, of it. I, I have used a competitor's sharpening program that was honestly also good, but I also paid $99 for it. It wasn't <laughs> just something that was there. Yep. Yeah. Now the the world today is that, you know, everything is much more integrated and all in one place. And that's great because it makes your workflow so much easier having to bounce around across multiple applications. Yeah, hugely. Now that's, now that said, I'm going to contradict myself. <laughs> uh, you can use PhotoRaw as a standalone application, but it also works as a plugin. So if you use Lightroom, you can use it as a plug into Lightroom and all the cool stuff that we just did in development effects you can do through Lightroom. Same thing with Photoshop. And you could also uh, use this as the host to go to other applications. So back in Browse, I could send any photo that I'm working on to Photoshop or we'll pick up things like the Google Nick plugins automatically. And you can actually use this as a host for other apps and other plugins. So we're not going to dictate the workflow to you because everybody has their own workflow for better or worse. Uh, so we'll kind of fit into it and whatever works best for you. I think you might be the only people that are both upstream and downstream. Most of the places that will run either independent or downstream, they won't host another filter. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, we, we try to be pretty, pretty agnostic. It's just like when it comes to uh, the cloud storage, you know, we'll support 
Google Drive and Dropbox and Microsoft OneDrive and technically any system that you have set up on your computer. And will you know, rather than locking you into a certain cloud storage service like about a lot of other providers do. So Yeah, no, I think that's wise. Yeah, best to be agnostic. So, so let me show you one other thing here. Please I do. We talked a little bit about uh, masking, but I also wanted to show you a little bit about how the masking can work and effects on something more complex. Let's grab a photo like this that has hair and such. I'm going to go into effects and let's add a texture. So I'm just going to come over here to the filters menu. I'll go to my textures. We include tons of cool textures with the app. Let me just pop up the quick view browser here so you can kind of see the variety of these textures that are built in, but you can also add your own to it, which is pretty handy as well. So Once you grab. start taking pictures of textures with that in your mind, it's almost like you're taking drugs. The whole world <laughs> becomes like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I got to take a picture yeah. of the surface of my suitcase. <laughs> Everything becomes fun to fun to shoot at that point. So I'm going to grab, oh, let's grab this one here. Now, this looks pretty cool on that background. It takes that boring, you know, gray seamless and kind of makes it look a little bit more organic, a little bit more like concrete. But obviously, I don't want it on my subject matter. So I'll just use the masking brush. Now, if you were to brush normally with just a, a simple uh, brush, it would take you forever to go through and get all the little intricate stuff in the hair and things like that. Yeah, with, I did uh, Photoshop our... too as well, so I know all <laughs> about this. It, it can be pretty tough, but uh, with, consuming. with our brush, there's uh, what we call the perfect brush option right here. And it actually samples the color under the center of the brush while you paint. So it automatically detects edges. It's really cool. So rather than paint this out on her, I'm actually going to paint it in. So on any filter that you add, you can copy and paste and invert the mask. You could even create a luminosity mask if you wanted to. I'm just going to hit the invert button. That makes it black. And now I can simply paint in that texture just where I want it. It's detecting the color underneath. In this case, the gray makes it pretty easy. But you notice as I paint along the skin, it's not bringing it back. It's keeping the detail it's in doing a really hair. nice That's job. Well. Yeah, so like if I hit the O key, you can actually see that mask that it generates in real time as we're working. So if you saw this coming in a studio shoot, obviously picking a nice background color that's going to make that pop is is going to be handy. Yeah, that certainly makes it makes it easier, but it's not the not the end of the world because this is just one of the masking tools. This is kind of the I'll call it the the tip of the spear if you will, when it comes to masking. There's also other tools like the Refine Mask tool, which is even better when it comes to doing things like hair or these uh, the feathers in her hair. I can paint this Refine Mask tool along here, and it will actually, I'm going to make sure I've got this set to paint out, and now as I paint through here, it'll analyze the colors in it and will actually automatically improve and make that mask look even better. Kind of hard to see the difference. Let me do it before and after on that. So there's before and then there's after. So you can see how it brought up more of the detail in those feathers. You know, same thing in like this subtle hair here. I can paint across there and it will improve that mask intelligently and give us a better separation. And I'm doing this right here inside of my effects app without having to take the texture, go into Photoshop or another masking application, at which point I've lost that non-destructive nature of it. I'm doing this kind of complex masking in a non-destructive editor. So that's one of the things that's really cool about it. Yeah, try, try that in anything else yeah. outside it's of, you know, big Photoshop file. Yeah, it is pretty unique and, and, and you know, maintain all that non-destructiveness that way. 
Yeah. So cool. Well, hopefully that gives you guys a little bit of an idea of what you can do in PhotoRod. You got any questions? Oh, my head's exploding with questions. Fortunately, um, you guys have been kind enough to publish out a lot of videos. So I do want to point people over to your site because if, and, and this helped me make my shopping decision, to be honest, as much as they were supposed to be instructional, they were kind of sales um, inadvertently <laughs> um, because there were things like, yeah, but I need it to do. Oh, wait, there's a video on it. <laughs> and then I'm yeah. like, well, I'm also going to need that. Yeah, and uh, tons and tons of videos on the on the website to help you get going. The other thing that a lot of our customers do is they join what we call on one plus and plus is a community for our users. You can uh, add it on top of the software or you can buy it with the software, but it gives you access to our coaches. Uh, so you can actually ask personal questions of the coaches. We do photo critiques. We do photo challenges. Uh, there's a forum where you can ask questions. Uh, you can also talk with other users, get ideas. We also provide the software before it's released. So when we do an update, members of that community get it first so they can test it out and give us feedback on it. We're very customer driven in terms of what we build. And that group is kind of the first group there, the tip of the spear to give us feedback to make sure we're building the right stuff. So it's a pretty good deal. So all of this easily accessible through onone.com. Yep. That would be on number one.com. Um, the uh, what's the what's the best way if we want to see your work? You're obviously a photographer of note. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm a photographer of note or not. Um, you know that is a good question. Uh, I'm I'm not a particularly social media kind of guy, so most of most of my uh, my work I you'll see on the on one website. So, back to the uh, but that's about it. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, this has been absolutely fantastic. This is uh, I think a resounding success for our first sort of single topic show. Cool. Um, other than again, we're we're missing Roxanne, but she's having a great time, so she's allowed to have a vacation. Well, I mean work. <laughs> but uh, um, you can expect to uh, pick Roxana and I up at the airport at some time. We want to come up and see you guys this summer or, or uh, fall. Um, for further questions, the forums uh, on for your software, readily accessible. Yep. Actually, there's a couple different ways to, to, go, uh, to get more information. A lot of it are covered in the FAQs. So you can go to the FAQ page and there's lots of stuff in there. If you have ideas for the product or you want to see what we're working on, you can also go to a section called the Photo Raw Project. That's where everybody can post their ideas. They vote and comment on them. And then we actually share our product roadmap of what we're working on next. And that's driven directly by the feedback we get through that community page. Uh, the tutorials are a great place. And then if you have questions beyond that, you can contact our customer service folks and they're happy to answer any questions for you as well. So as far as uh, the future, uh, on one seems to be on a tear. <laughs> I, uh, I've had the software for a little while. I have just seen a, uh, at least one minor and one significantly major update roll through. Um, I'm guessing you don't have 500 people working on this. No, no, actually on one is a, is a very small company. And uh, when you have a small group of very dedicated engineers, it's amazing what you can produce. So, Which you, you know, apparently I've... don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, they're a hardworking, hardworking bunch. I'm I, very proud of the guys that I work with. I am. I'm very impressed with what you guys have accomplished and the rate and the responsiveness. 
um, I, I looking through the the forums, I have seen where somebody was like, I want this. And then I saw where it appeared in literally, you know, six, eight months time, which in the software world is unreal. Yeah. Um, we really look forward to keeping in touch with you guys as things go. And, um, I think we definitely want to engage more of our viewers in the, the on one community, uh, and, and admittedly the, the other vendors as well, because the, you're, you're not the only people doing great things, but I think you're definitely, uh, leading the pack as far as agile creativity and for our particular industry and that being glamor, uh, we need to make money. And we tend to we tend to get locked into this. I will hand edit these four hundred pictures, and I and we as a community need to be better at turning over our cash clients. And I think again that that very powerful preset architecture is going to be good for us as a group. And nobody else is doing it like you guys are. And oh, thank you. That's an honor. I'm very excited to hear that. I appreciate it. I appreciate not continuously searching for a new piece of software. I, although I, to be honest, I have to keep on top of the others. So I will continue to invest in this sort of, uh, in, in the damn community, digital <laughs> asset management. Um, the, uh, uh, I, Really appreciate your coming on, and uh, we will be in touch. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Anytime. It was an honor. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. That was On One, and uh, obviously doing great things for our community. We, uh, we want to support them, and they offer a free trial. Your really, your best bet is, even if you're like, hey, I'm a Lightroom guy, you'd be silly not to have this in your back pocket. You'd be silly not to be a little educated on it. And since it runs as a plugin, it, if you like it at all, it's not terribly expensive and you should consider, go ahead and purchase it. These are kind folks and we want to support them. Uh, we'll be back with a featured photographer in our next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Twip Glam. <laughs>